know, the last time I was with you here, we were about, I think, a couple of inches in snow. So this is an improvement. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let me pray for us now. Lord Jesus, you are present with us this morning. Your love enfolds us. We take our shelter in the shadow of your wing. And Father, on a day where the spring is pushing forth from the soil, Father, may your resurrection life bear fruit in us. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love and your purpose and your calling in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So have a seat or, or run around or do this thing, whatever it is. I, w- I wanted to share with you a true story. This is an, this is an absolutely true story um, ah, that um, Bill Blomquist, Reverend Bill Blomquist and Cinnamon are out at Andover. He shared this story with me and I want to share it with you. He had done a funeral that day in the community and he came home rejoicing, which may sound strange, but it had just been such a wonderful occasion where the whole community had shown out. The person who'd passed away was much loved in that community and there were about 200 people who'd gathered. That was one of the largest gatherings in the community for a long time. And he said it was one of those moments where the hope of the gospel seemed to really reach people's hearts. People who did not normally, normally show up to church on a Sunday morning he felt, you know, the Lord just really touched them in a special way. So he came home rejoicing. He was singing and worshipping in his car as he turned the corner. So heading back to the office, he passed a two-story home on his right. There's a reason why I'm sharing these details with you. He took a right off the main street, and then he immediately turned onto the church property. Now, if you, a quick zigzag, and then another hard right, and then there's a steep drive about 40 yards. It's about, honestly, if you go and visit Bill and you park, it's about this steep. And then he parked underneath a maple tree at the top. Still floating from the funeral, made his way to his office, began preparing something uh, for, for later that day, waved at the preschool kids, at the preschool work that was going on, um, and then the church phone rang. Uh, he said, um, they said, is that any of a community church? They said, yes. He said, this is uh, Reverend Bill. They said, hi, Bill, this is the librarian from across the, the street from the preschool. He was inquisitive. He said, how can I help you? He said, well, I'm wondering, there is a light green Subaru car in the backyard of my next door neighbor's house. I'm wondering if you know anything about that. He said he gulped and with pastoral sensitivity responded, why, thank you very much. I'll look into that. So he went out to the maple tree and indeed the light green Subaru car, which was his, was gone. Um, And he began to kind of in his mind think, oh my gosh, what, you know, this is, this is, is not good news and and what had happened was that the car he, he had in his excitement from the funeral had forgotten to put the brakes on and the car had literally now I, I gave you the map it basically had rolled 40 yards down this very steep slope it then took a hard left it crossed the street it then took another right hard right it then zigzagged um, across the road and then somehow miraculously um, it came to park itself between the car. There was a house that had a, a, a standalone garage. And be- notice I said garage, they're not garage. Just every now and again, I catch myself speaking American, and I think I need to point that out. Thank you. So between, between the garage and the house, the car, with, with um, the professional precision of a valet parking driver, just had kind of landed itself and was now parking backwards, pointing up. <laughs> so he arrived at the scene of the crime... The lady of the house came out 
everybody's staring at disbelief. <laughs> it's like green Subaru car that is parked gently between the, the, two, the, two, the two buildings. Triple A showed up. The police showed up. The policeman was writing up his incident. Bill said that he said, well, you know, I've always wanted to meet the people who live in this house. And the policeman, the policeman not even looking up from his notes said, most people bake a pie, so. <laughs> he said later he would learn that a teenager who lived in the house, narrowly avoided by the car, called the librarian saying, oh my gosh, a car has just flown past my bedroom window and I don't think anybody's driving it. <laughs> but it was the lady who lived in the house who really got it. She stood with her two teenage sons and husband, completely amazed. Um, why did this happen here in my yard, she asked. How did that car take that left-hand turn and then the right-hand turn and then zigzag down this path and then park itself between my house and my garage? But the long story short is that she really did see. And what she stood there and exclaimed was... I have been thinking about coming to your church, Bill, for a long time, and I really believe that this is God's way of saying, get yourself to that church, which she now has. And then Bill, these are Bill, Bill's words. He says, not only that, but she's now working as the activities person for our newly formed and growing kids' church program. Not only that, but one of her teenagers is shoveling snow around the property for a few bucks a storm. That's good news. Not only that, but a, friends of her, a friend of hers asked if she knew of a church where they could baptize their child, and, and she told them to come to our place. Not only that, we baptized the child, now they are regulars on Sunday. Not only that, he now plays guitar in the worship team. How on earth is this possible? How is this possible? Well, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now look, Romans 8.28 is a very, very familiar verse. It can be a verse that becomes so familiar that we, we become oblivious to its power. It's like something you have on a Hallmark card or something. Oh, it's a nice intention, it's, it's some nice words, it's a nice sentiment. But Romans 8.28 is the most extraordinary outworking of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ to redeem and to restore. It is not a Hallmark card. I don't have anything against Hallmark cards, but it is much more than Hallmark cards. It is argued that Romans 8.28 is one of Paul's most extreme statements. And he's made some pretty big statements. He says, Romans 4 verse 5, ungodly people are to be regarded as righteous the moment they put their trust in the mercy of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8, that God demonstrated his own love for us in thus. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Philippians 4.13, followers of Jesus, filled with his spirit, can overcome impossible odds. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. But when Paul says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him according to his purpose, he is really putting his apostolic ministry reputation on the line. I'd like to spend some time this morning just unpacking this great promise because maybe we hear it like Thomas heard it. And it's like, okay, I'll, see, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, whether you are staying the course or answering the call, I want to open this up that the Spirit would enable you to encounter the current of God's great love through you and over you. So let's begin by asking this question. Is this promise really true? How can it possibly be true? Well, to begin with, Paul has personally experienced this verse so many times. He uses 
the Greek word oidmen, which means the knowledge of a well-known fact. He could have used ginosko, which is a, a speculative kind of knowledge. It's like, oh, it might be, might not be, we'll see. But he doesn't. He uses oidmen. This is a fact that nobody should dispute. And he is speaking to his own experience as a follower of Jesus. He's saying, we know this truth to be self-evident. Indeed, my very life bears witness to its unquestionable veracity. But Romans 8.28 is true even if Paul had not summarized it. Paul's decision to refer to this promise in his writing is not what makes it true. I'm really glad he said it, but it's not what makes it true. It was already true. The context of Romans 8 would assume the truth of this verse, even if Paul had not written it. Through the cross, the Spirit brought about, brings about our adoption as sons and daughters of the living God. We are co-heirs with Christ. And we have a security in Jesus that means neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of Christ. Romans 8.28 is this beautiful, self-evidencing truth and promise that flows out of God's supreme, unchanging, irrevocable love for each of us. Bill finishes by saying, To be honest with you, my first prayer was that the car would be totaled. I never liked that car. I thought it might be an easy way out of the problem. But it wasn't. I'm still driving the light green Subaru all around town, complete with its groans and squeaks. I'm learning to like it now. I even see it as an instrument of God's choosing, not at all different from you and me, I guess. Amen. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So let me dare ask another question. Clearly, this promise extends to light green Subaru cars. But seriously, does this promise really include everything? I mean, Really? Everything when you say all? Do you mean all everything or do you mean all kind of partial all? Well, Romans 8.28 means literally that everything that has happened to you in your past, bad, evil, accidental, negative, sinful or unjust, will eventually work together all things coalescing in God's perfect timing for good. I want you to call to mind... Your, your greatest trial, the, the, the worst moment, the largest injustice, the thing most difficult to understand, your greatest shame. Just bring that to mind now. Just see what the Lord brings to your heart. Bring that to mind. And Romans 8, 28 guarantees to everybody who loves Jesus and who is called according to his purpose that anything and everything that was negative, wrong, sinful, unfair, all that that has happened to you will eventually at his hand, turn out for good. Jesus says, it's as, as for the past, leave it with me. It is not your problem. It is my problem. It is my job to make all that has happened to you work together for good. It is what I do, Jesus says. And the phrase here, work together, is a reference to all things. It's not a reference to our working alone to make it happen. Jesus absolutely calls us into his good plans. But it is Jesus who takes the lead here. It is his inspiration. It is the power of his spirit. It is not down to us to determine whether all things work together for good. 
It's God who does that. Just as it is God who ensures that in Jesus nothing will ever separate us from his love. Let me refer you to David. You know, we can, um, well, if you're like me, sometimes you can kind of, as you're making, I, I read the Bible through the year, once every year, by the way through, and sometimes you can get to the genealogies and you kind of, your eyes slip a bit, you kind of, okay, okay, okay. But what we see here in these extraordinary genealogies, these great lists, is that they're there because the Bible is made up of real people who live real lives, countless thousands of people whom God has woven into this great story of our salvation in Jesus. And sat on this hill this morning with the spring just beneath the soil, we stand in that story. We are in that ark. And these genealogies hold within them great stories of God's loving faithfulness to men and women over the centuries. The outworking of Romans 8, 28, pointing to the cross and then beyond it. Your name is also important. Your name is also written in his great book of life. Well, in Matthew chapter 1, we read the family lineage of our saviour, Jesus Christ. So centuries before Jesus walked the earth, we recall David's lost battle with lust. And we recall how he committed adultery, and then he arranged to cover that sin up with, with murder. And David himself would conclude that this was a terrible, terrible sin. And of this season of rebellion, David would cry out to God with absolute contrition and brokenness and repentance and say, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. And yet here's how it all works out in the end. Matthew Chapter 1, verse 6, we read, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Now, David had other wives that God could have chosen through whom his son's bloodline would be traced. But God chose Bathsheba, the very woman with whom David committed adultery. There it is in Jesus' genealogy. Why? To demonstrate that he turns wickedness into good. So that in the genealogy of Jesus, you might even think that what happened in David's life was the way it was supposed to be. David, David's sin was covered by God. God determined to make it work together for good. That's what he did with a runaway light green Subaru car, and that is what he will do for us. That is what he will do for you. Whether you are staying the course or answering the call, he will do this for you. Actually, he is doing this for you. So then the last question is, is this promise secure? Well, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Sorry, it's so cold, my mouth is freezing up, which may actually (laughs) be an encouragement to some of you. But the cross and the resurrection of Jesus are both our great security, his his, we've celebrated and sung of this morning this supreme illustration of how all things work together for good. At the cross, God turns evil back on itself. The Father takes the supreme crime, that is the murder of the only righteous person, and makes this the very operation that abolishes sin. 
Romans 8, 28 issues from Jesus' supreme victory on the cross for us for all time. Through the cross, we are adopted into his family. Romans 8, 15, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. In our adoption as sons and daughters, we have the same security in the family of God as Jesus Christ himself has. Jesus could not be thrown out of the Trinity. Can you imagine such a thing? Can you imagine Jesus getting chucked out of the Trinity? It is unthinkable. And yet, whether you are staying the course or answering the call, this is how secure you are in the family of God. The same security that Jesus has in the Trinity is the same security you have as an adopted son and daughter in the family of God. Amen? Amen. Let me add this. Final thing. There's another extraordinary inherent blessing in Romans 8.28. Because it's not given that you have to wait to see its fulfillment before you can have the enjoyment of it. It is given as a promise. It is sealed by the blood of Jesus. It, God guarantees it to be fulfilled. And this means that we can take it to heart now, this morning, this moment. We can enjoy that promise. We can bring it and call it to our hearts, even if things at the moment don't appear to have worked out for good. It has been a time of elevated stress and anxiety as a nation and for us as a church family. And some of us are excited at the prospect of a new calling and some of us are apprehensive and some of us are bewildered and some of us are just really sad and most of us are a combination of all of these things. And I am praying and I am asking you to pray with me that we have now come to a place of godly sobriety. Whether you are standing with me on this hill or you are watching online, I am praying under God that we have now come to a place of godly sobriety where all swords will be beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks and that amidst the pain and the anxiety of change, this might be a moment where we choose not to take up the sword against each other, nor to prepare to, for battle each other anymore. That in the mercy of Jesus Christ, let us get right with God and begin the task of working together to bring Jesus Christ to the North Shore. Amen. There's, there's an old hymn. It makes me weep. It's called, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go. And the very last verse says this, O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain, that morn shall tearless be. Jesus, is, Jesus desires that we trace the rainbow of his promise through the rain of our circumstances. And whether you are staying the course or answering the call, Jesus invites you to do this today. To know that all your past is safely in his hands. And he is the one who will supremely make all things work together for good. There's another. It's funny, I've got to the age now where <laughs> a contemporary worship song can be 30 years old. So it's really not that modern at all, you know. It's kind of, so here's one of those new 
30-year-old uh, contemporary worship songs. But I, I, I caught these words, and I, I want to share them with you. I thought it was beautifully put. Uh, they, the, it's by uh, Jenny, Jenny Green, and uh, this is what she writes. She says, as the seasons make their turn, there's a lesson here to learn. Broken wings take time to mend before they learn to fly again. But on the breath of God, they'll soar and they'll be stronger than before. Don't look back into the past because what was fire now is ash. Let it all be dead and gone. Whether you are staying the course or answering the call, the time is now for moving on. I promise grow all of us in love and faithfulness on the North Shore. Because, beloveds, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Amen.